Good morning, everyone. Um, what a video. John, thanks for your help putting it together and the volunteers who told their story. It tells a little bit of what's happened down there since we uh, started going. And my name is Nancy Pratt. I'm part of the mission team and one of the leaders for our Joplin, Joplin efforts. Um, each year on Mission Sunday, we choose a ministry or a mission to focus on, and this year we chose Joplin. So I want to give you some of the background on how we got connected and what's happened in the last 16 months. Uh, the storm hit on May 22nd. That was a Sunday. That Wednesday, Tom Ricks called me and said, hey, what do you think about running a short-term mission trip to Joplin uh, June 2nd as part of 2028 Serve Your Neighbor projects? And I said, great idea. Count my husband and I in. I didn't know that meant I was leading the trip. So God had a plan for me. That trip totally changed my life, and I'm sure many of the volunteers that went with us that first trip feel the same way. Um, we met so many people that had suffered great losses, family, friends, uh, their jobs, their businesses, and seeing all that devastation and knowing that only 158 people died, we recognized it was truly a miracle. Um, God's presence was visible everywhere. We met families that had gone out of their normal routine on that, that Sunday, and had they been home, they would have lost their life. I met a young father who had gone to visit his parents and were coming back, was coming back with his infant daughter, ran out of gas. He said he was standing alongside the road cursing God, only to find out when he got home his daughter's room had been ripped off his house and she would have been gone. Or the young mom that told me that as she slept in her van in a 105-degree temperature with her two young boys, she'd lost her housing, that the tornado saved her life. And her reason why was it brought her back to God, because she knew the only way she would survive was to trust him that he would take care of her and her two young children. The stories go on and on. As you can tell, I get emotional. See the video, I get emotional. Um, the people of Joplin have pulled together. They're rebuilding their community. Last August, Tom announced a two-year commitment to Mission Joplin to our trips down there. We've run eight trips. We've got four more to go. You can sign up today. Um, we've had over 100 people go with us, and many of our volunteers return again and again because it's such an incredible trip. We were blessed early on to work with Samaritan's Purse and Forest Park Baptist Church, who runs Mission Joplin, which is a free store there that folks can come to to get food and other supplies. In each trip, we continue to work with them. And as we go, every trip, God puts opportunities in front of us to serve him, whether it's helping Samaritan's Purse build homes or serving a new mom. You saw her house there trying to help her get back into a home or uh, a family who their belongings have been in storage for 11 months, and we help them go through all of that and help them get their stuff back together. Our projects vary every trip, and we're always amazed by the strength and faith of the families that we have served. So I'd like to invite you to join us on one of our upcoming trips. You have four left, as I said. No special skills are needed, so don't be afraid to sign up. You just need to love the Lord and have a servant's heart. Our next trip is October 11th through 13th, and the following one is December 6th through 8th, and the other two dates will be announced soon. And I love what Doug Pope said towards the end of that video is, we still have work to do and people to meet. So this morning, you'll have the pleasure of hearing from two people that we met early on, Stefan and Della Bergen. Stefan is the case manager and volunteer coordinator for Samaritan Purse Rebuild Efforts, and his wife, Della, runs their ministry here to serve and is also a coordinator for Operation Christmas Child. They will share their family's story on how to live a missional life day in and day out. Stefan's going to start us out, so please welcome Stefan Bergen. Thank you. 
I'm going to do this. I'm going to set this alarm. I was told how much. <laughs> I just think it's the right thing to do. There it goes. It would use up all of my allotted time if I were to properly um, share my gratitude with those of you that have come and those of you that have prayed, the dozens that have shown up in Joplin. Um, Green Tree is a word. It's a name. Um, it sounds funny to you guys, I know. But down in Joplin, when we hear Green Tree, we don't even hear the whole thing, we just hear Green Tree. When they found out that Della and I were coming up here, and I would share with them, say, please pray as we travel up there, um, everyone would smile because every memory they have of Green Tree is awesome. Through Mission Joplin and through Samaritan's Purse, through our rebuild, through all the efforts we've been doing up in Joplin, every time brothers and sisters from Green Tree have come, they've been a blessing. Their attitudes are always exceptional, and their vision for what Christ wants to do in our community is just amazing. And so I just thank you guys for that. And like I said, I could go on and on, but I want to get to uh, something that I feel like the Lord laid on my heart this morning. In, uh, in the book of John twelve twenty six. that's kind of our uh, mission statement for us, uh, for here to serve, which my wife will tell you more about that uh, when she steps up here. But that passage reads, If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. One thing that is happening here at this point in Jesus' life, you go back and read a few verses that precede this, you'll find out that in the midst of the busyness, there was a call to mission for Jesus. There was a call to die. We see it and we understand what's happening because we look at it kind of from a distance. We open up the word and we, we see where it's heading. But the guys that were with him didn't know that. They saw a real shift. They saw a real change at this moment. And I wanted to kind of remind you guys of what was happening in this passage in chapter 12 before we get to this key verse. That week out from the cross, we see that he'd had supper with Lazarus, who he had raised from the dead. And that's pretty key because all of a sudden there was a lot of attention that, uh, that was coming to Jesus because of that. And uh, Mary anointed him with that costly oil. You remember that story. And then the next day was when he rode into Jerusalem to all the hosannas of the crowd. And the, the Bible says that the people followed him because they heard that he had raised Lazarus. The actual, in verse 18, it says, they heard that he had done this sign. And the Pharisees, they looked on, and their comment about what was going on was, look, the whole world has gone after him. And then in verse 20, we have these, they're called certain Greeks, who show up and they, uh, they find Philip, because he's the guy with the Greek name, and, uh, and they say, we need to see him. They said, we have come, sir, to see Jesus. And then you guys remember in the story, Philip and Andrew, at that point, they relay the request to Jesus. And, and in my sermon notes, it's funny, I taught from John several years ago, and uh, in, in my notes it says, and, question mark, because it just stops there. The request comes. These guys have come a long ways to see you. They've come in response to what they have heard. And Jesus doesn't respond to them at all, but instead he turns, and then it's that familiar passage where he says, the hour has come, lest a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies. He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And it was in that context that he turns. All the crowds are around. People are pressing in. They've heard of the miracles. They're really jazzed about everything that he's up to at this point, including the ride down into Jerusalem on the back of the donkey's colt. And in the midst of all that, that's when he says, well, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. 
by uh, the time Jesus gets to this verse, he had turned towards the cross. The Bible says, like Flint, his, his face was set towards the cross. He turned towards Calvary. And, uh, and I like to think of the, the game face that he had on at this point. It's the face that I see in you guys when you come down to Joplin. There's a moment when you leave Forest Park Baptist Church and you head over the top of the hill at, at uh, Highland and 15th and you come over the crest of the hill and all of a sudden you see the path of where the tornado went. And every time I'm there with somebody when it's their first time to see it, I see them put their game face on. At that moment they realize that it's serious. At this point they understand that there's mission involved. At this point there's a point of contact. Uh, like you've heard with these people of Joplin. And at that point, it's not about the show. It's not even about the crowds. At that point, it gets to one-on-one -on -one contact with people that are in desperate need of Christ. And I've watched over and over again as people put their game face on as they head into what we call the affected, the affected area. So Jesus turned away from the crowds. He turned away from the jealous Pharisees that were concerned that uh, everybody was going to follow after Jesus, which it turns out that they wouldn't because he was heading towards a cross. And he turned away from these, these uh, Greeks that had traveled a long way because they wanted to see a magic act of some kind. And he turned towards the cross. <clears throat> and now it was the time for disciple talk. That's what Jesus shifted into, his disciple talk. It was follower talk. He was going to concisely uh, define what servanthood is when he says, if anyone serves me. I want you to notice in that verse that it says, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, and in my Bible I put in parentheses, is where the I am is, because you know every time that Jesus ever used that phrase, I am, we want to notice that. I am the bread of life, the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. But there's another point that he's making there, not just saying this is where the I am is in this place. He's also saying it's about me. And those that, those that serve me understand that. And, and notice, if you read through that passage, you'll see me, me, my, me, my. That's Jesus talking. And, and he's drawn a distinction between those and, as opposed to those who would serve another. Those that serve him will be in that place where he is. Where he speaks about where he is. And Jesus says, where I am, there my servant will be also. It's more than just about his omnipresence. Um, because now we're 2,000 years removed from that moment, and we understand that he's ascended to the Father, that he's seated at the right hand of the Father in glory, and that he sent his Holy Spirit to dwell in us and empower us and send us and call us. But we still see that he is working, and we see where he is. But it's not just where he is. It's, it's that he's there in Joplin and Africa and in the hospital and the jail and in the nursing home. Um, but it's it's more than just where he is. It's who he is, the one that's calling you. And he's the same one that called Abraham. And I really will wrap it up with this. I, I want to go to this passage in Hebrews because these words, this was Wednesday morning when I thought I was done preparing this, when these words just leapt to me in my morning devotions. And the words that leapt to my eyes as I was reading this passage was obeyed, went, dwelt, and waited. Understand that that's the pattern of those that go to Joplin, of those that go to Africa, of those that go, is that there's a moment where you obey, and then you're sent, and then you dwell, but constantly waiting. And, and let me stick to my notes so I won't go over. Um, to obey and wait are constants in our lives. Um, through an ongoing relationship with Christ, we are going to be those who obey. That will just become a distinctive. That's what I think when I hear Green Tree. 
those that obey, those that come, those that go where, where God is sending them. And uh, so that's a constant, the obedience factor. And, but the other thing is the, the waiting. Um, we wait on something that we hope in, and that is a constant thing in the midst of all of it. But like Abraham, he, he was waiting for the eternal, and that's what the verse says. Let me go ahead and read it. It says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So, we see that the, 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 the obedience factor, that should be a thing that is more and more settled every day in our lives, that we will say yes, Lord, to what he tells us. And the idea of what we are waiting for, this hope, that should be a settled thing too because our hope is settled in something that is permanent and in one who is permanent. So those two things are settled. <clears throat> But in the meantime is the here and now. And this is the exciting part because this is the days full of surprises. This is the going and the dwelling. And the going isn't wandering aimlessly. And the dwelling isn't just settling in. Uh, remember this, that God is the one who sends you, but he's also the one who greets you. And notice that Abraham dwelt in tents. That's important because he was dwelling but he was dwelling in tents. God invites you to join him in what he's already doing out there. And even though we're in tents, we still feel settled. Why? Because who it is that we're settled in, we're planted in Christ. So we don't get too comfy because uh, God's on the move. Where God is calling us to from day to day is different, but he is there to greet us. Notice in verse 9, it says, With Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. This ad adventure... Uh, that God has given us is passed on from generation to generation. And I want to leave you guys with kind of a, a mental picture. This is what came to me as I was reading this, the picture that I like to see myself a part of, <clears throat> that we are heirs to salvation, but we're also heirs of this promise, this promise of this great uh, adventure, this mission. And so making God known to our generation and to all the peoples of the earth, just picture this all through time, all through time, we've had men and women of great faith, and they've preceded us, and they're leaning in, and they're leaning in and reaching out and, and as they extend in to finish their leg of this race. But at the same time that they're leaning in, they're reaching back, and there's a baton that's being passed on to us. And this is part of our inheritance in Christ. It's to run with endurance our leg of the race. The, the question is, is, are we reaching out? Are we straining? Are we leaning in and understanding that we didn't start this thing? And we may not even be the ones that finished this thing, but we're somewhere in the continuum of a God who sits on his throne and he looks down and he sees history from beginning to end and he sees our place in it by our gifting, by our calling, the things that he has called us to. And understand that as you're leaning and reaching and straining forward and you're reaching for a baton, it's being passed back to you by one that preceded us. And you're also setting an example for those who would run after you. And that's what Green Tree has been. That's what Green Tree has been in Joplin, is those that have run their leg of the race as we build those homes, as we take care of those people, as we pass out the food and the clothing and minister to the people of Joplin. You guys have been a link in a chain. You've been ones that have been along in the journey that is the outreach to my community. And I commend you for that. And um, I'm going to have my wife come up and finish this out.
Well, everybody at home that bet that Stefan could, uh, we're wondering if Stefan could make it in his time limit. They're going to be so happy that he did not. Anybody who knows Stefan, he pastored for eight years. And I have to say I enjoyed hearing him speak this morning because after being for, married for 30 years and being in, living in Denver and being involved in different churches, he really is my favorite pastor. <laughs> Love hearing him share God's heart. Well, I'm here to share just about our family and a little bit about just some practical things that you can do to become mission-minded. If you already are, then that's awesome. You can just sit there and lean back and just, I want to start out by, I'm going to have to take the mic off here because I have a little bit of trouble seeing that um, overhead. Okay, <laughs> this is a picture of us back in Denver, and the only reason why I'm showing you guys family pictures, you got, who went to the comedian last night? Okay, I'm not going to throw down, I promise. I am not going to throw down. But I wanted you guys to be able to tell who family members were who because we're going to start getting mixed with in-laws and outlaws, and I want you guys to know who actually are the children of Stefan and Della Bergen. So we had three of our kids in St. Charles, Missouri, and we had three of our kids in Denver. We've lived in both out of the span of 30 years of our life. I think we've gone 10, 10, and we're like 11, somewhere in there. So um, our oldest, and we can just go ahead and go to the next slide. So this is us early on, but these are our six children. Lindsay, right here in the black, is my oldest, and she has two children, and she's married. Uh, then my second one is, right behind her in the gray, is Joshua. He's our soldier. He just came back from serving five tours in nine years and is settling in as the chief of police in Curryville, and we're getting ready to go see his little, our little granddaughter after this. She's not even a month old, and he has three children, and then our next... Uh, in line is Stephanie. Stephanie is uh, just an awesome girl. She's out right now in Columbia, South Carolina, getting her master's in international and biblical studies, and she's planning on going to the mission field. And you'll get to see some of the trips and things she's been on through the slides. And then our next one is Hosea. He is an awesome kid. He's living with us right now, finishing up his degree at Missouri Southern. And we're just so proud of him and his writing accomplishments and seeing what the Lord. He is just so great for local ministry. Anything I ask him to do, if I say come down here to serve, he puts on his carrying working clothes. So, uh, and then after that, we have Micah. And did I say Hosea is the one here on the end with the glasses and the... And then Mike is right next to him, and he is also married and is right now is in Cambodia serving with his wife, and they're going to be there for a couple of years, and they just uh, started fostering two little girls, and they're going to be adopting them. So you'll see a picture later on that looks very foreign with two little cute little Cambodians. Those are his little girls he's adopting. And then my youngest here, Nathaniel, is in Poland right now doing his international business degree and sharing the Lord over there on the European side of the world. So, And then this is just all our extended families with marrieds and Mike and Kelsey and Josh and Keita and then Lindsay and Dave. Those are all unmarried. And, uh, so, and then all the little grandkids. I'm not going to bore you with that. <laughs> so we're just going to start showing slides and you guys just listen to me and just look at the slides and I want to share what I think is God's heart about missions. Stephanie and I have been married for going on 31 years, and we have been serving the Lord since that point. Whenever we go to a new community or move to a new town or, or whatever we do, go to a new church, we always show up and we always, they would always say, well, what are your skills and what can you do and what are your talents? And we would always just say, we're just here to serve. Just plug us in wherever you need us. 
We're just here to serve the Lord, the local body, the community. And so just put his, plug us in wherever you need us. And we found that that heart was something that our kids also learned from us, is that sometimes you show up to a church and you have a gen and you think, I'd be good at that or I could do that better than him. Or, you know, we kind of have this thing where the enemy tries to kind of get us in that place of pride. And what I found through the years of serving is the best place to be when you're serving the Lord is in complete humility to do whatever it is that he calls you to do. And so I wanted to start out with a verse from Mark, and I know you guys are all familiar with it. It's uh, Mark 12, verses 30 and 31, and it says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And this is the first commandment. The second like is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And there's no under commandment greater than these. So when people ask me, how do you get started in missions? How did you guys get started going all over the world and doing all these things with local and international missions and getting plugged in? And I would have to say the number one first criteria is that you have a relationship with the Lord, that he is Lord of your life, that you love him with all of your heart. Because when God has your heart, then he can direct your path, right? The Bible says that where our heart is, there we go. So if you want to go, like Stefan said, where God wants you, where the great I am is, then you have to have the heart of God. And so that's a really important part of it. And then the second part is that you love him with all your soul. And that deep down place is where you really can hear God's voice. You love him with all your mind, and that's when he gives you those great opportunities to know how to, to serve him and where to step out and where to get plugged in. And then with all your strength, because it really does take a lot of strength to serve the Lord. Anybody who's come down and has served a mission Joplin knows you got to have some muscles. When you are moving big debris from a, a completely destroyed house to the street, you have to have strength. And it is supernatural strength that the Lord gives you because you run out of strength after about the first day, the first hour for some of us. But the thing that gets you continuing, going to pick up that one more piece, okay, I can carry one more thing, that is the strength of the Lord. That can only come from God. It is supernatural. So I just want to share that. And the other thing is that you love your neighbor as you love yourself. And this is a hard one, I think, for us in the generation that we live in because we have been taught to look out for number one, take care of yourself, Look out for your own. Get what you want first and then worry about everybody else. And that is so backwards from what God wants for us. And if you truly love yourself, then you can love others. If you don't love yourself the way God sees you and the way he wants you to, it's really hard for you to know how to love others. And you really don't. And I think that that is something where most people will probably struggle. And all the things that we do as a family, we try so hard to just have fun and serve the Lord, and it's serious, it's serious work, it has eternal impact, but we try to keep it, you know, fun, and as much as we can, and of course, when the tornado happened, that totally changed the whole game, but that is, is our desire, and so I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about um, how do you decide where you're going to serve and what you're going to do. There's so many things in the, Lord, in the world that you can get involved in, so many things that the Lord is doing 
through organizations? How do you decide? And if you decide you want to start something new, like Stefan and I did when we started here to serve a couple years ago after eight years of pastoring, how do you decide which projects you're going to do as a nonprofit? And how does the Lord lead you and guide you in those things? And so what we found is, <laughs> Micah went to Canada a couple times. <laughs> and he went to Mexico a couple times. And so I have a table back there that has all the different places the kids have gone and the different countries. And there's our newsletters back there. And I really encourage you guys to, to pick that up because it tells you how to get in touch with all the different kids and all the different places they are and find out where that, what they're doing and read their blogs and stuff. And it's a lot of fun. But... I'm getting back to my message. I'll get distracted by my own pictures. Is that what you want to do is once you get past that place where you love God with all your heart and you want to do the work of the ministry and you want to share God's love with other people, because that really is your motivation for what you do, is you, want, you love God and you want to show that love to other people, then you start by looking. Just keep your eyes open and just look around and say, you know, are there needs in my neighborhood that aren't being met? Do I have a, an elderly neighbor who really seems like they're struggling doing their yard work? Um, do we have a community project that I could get involved in? Do we have a church project? I know that getting involved in church projects is obviously is easy to do, but if we want to get out there and reach people who are unsaved, we need to start looking to other places. We need to be looking in our workplaces and and so those are kind of the things, that's how some of our projects came out of. We would, um, we moved to Carthage, and we started seeing that there was a lot of impoverished people. There was a lot of Hispanics that were in Carthage, and there was a lot of impoverished kids. My daughter was a junior high teacher, and she said, Mom, you would not believe how many kids show up with not one school supply on the first day of school. And I'm like, that's incredible. How could that possibly be? In the age, we live in America, there's school supplies everywhere. Why are kids coming to school with no school supplies? And so we met with the school counselors. We met with the principal. And we said, what can we do to get school supplies into the junior high? Because the junior high is kind of the make it, brick it. They're either going to love school at that point or they're going to get into high school. And as soon as they turn 16, they're dropping out. And so we want to get them at that age and keep them excited and engaged in staying in school. And so we, we, we ask our donors for backpacks and for items and they drop them off at the office and we are able to put together backpacks not with just the stuff we want to put in there but we put the things in the backpack that the teacher asked for the things that the kids actually need to be successful at school and so it's been really successful and last year we did about 95 backpacks and we're hearing great things back from the counselors about how the kids have smiles on their faces and they're excited and they pay attention in class now because they have the things that they need. They're welcome to come by the office and pick up any other school supplies that they may need. If they run out throughout the year, the students know that they can come by and we'll have some extra papers and pencils and things that they may need for school. And then, so you just kind of look around. And then the other thing you do is you listen. You listen to God and that is sometimes hard because there's so many things going on in our lives and we just have to take time and just be still and say, God, I could do this thing and that thing and that thing. And I'm all excited about all these different things and all these different opportunities. But you have to really listen and focus in and become myopic on what is God telling you to do. Not what is the person next to you doing, what is, not what Nancy is doing, what is God telling you to do? And when you listen, he may tell you to do something that's crazy out of the box, 
that like nobody else is doing. Or he may tell you just get on board with something that's already happening. And so you have to fine tune your listening if you're going to be missions focused. Because it's not going to be your everyday thing. It's not going to be your get up and get dressed and come to church and drop your kids off and go back home. It's going to be something where God is going to call you to reach outside of your comfort zone, to step out of that proverbial boat onto that water, and what is going to happen. Either God is in this, and he told me to do this, or I'm getting ready to sink like a stone. So, And just remember, if that happens, that happens to all of us. Sometimes we think we hear God, and we step out to do something, and it's a complete flop. But you know what? The Bible says that Jesus comes, and he takes our hand, and he gets us to the other side. And whatever it was we were supposed to learn or gain from that experience, that failure, then he does those things in our lives too. And then the last thing is really the hardest, and that's the obeying part. So I have six children, and I've raised six children. And I know, I look too young to have six kids, right? <laughs> my youngest is 20. So um, that's my little grandson. <laughs> and, uh, but obeying, that's the hard thing, because this is what happens with obeying. Obeying is when... The rubber meets the road. The obeying is when you begin to act out what God has called you to do. You're not just, you've you've listened, you've looked, you know, now it's the execution. And let me tell you a little thing that I've learned about that. The enemy will distract you with everything and anything. He will throw everything at you and give you every reason in the world why you can't do it. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough time. You don't have enough volunteers. You don't have enough this. And all you want to do is go, you're right, you're right, and just like crawl up in the fetal position and say, what was I thinking? (laughs) But, you know, that's where God comes in because he doesn't give us a vision and a goal that's something we can accomplish in our own so that we can puff ourselves up and say, look, I did this, I'm so awesome. He gives us something that's like crazy, like crazy big, that like if God's not in it, it ain't happening. And so that's what Steph and I have found with everything that we do is that sometimes we're going, why? Like somebody asked me the other day when I spoke at a, at a club, why Why did you guys start a nonprofit? There's tons of nonprofits. And I was like, good question. And I had to think about that. And I said, you know, this is how we feel about it. We're doing what God's called us to do. And we didn't just start a nonprofit and start doing our own thing. Our here to serve is to teach other people in the church and in the community to learn how to serve. Because you guys, we all know that 10% of the people do 100% of the work. And 90% of the people in congregations come and go. And they get what they got out of it. And so we said, we feel like we've raised six children who serve the Lord, who are serving the Lord in different aspects in local and international um, venues. And so we think that's 100% success rate. That's pretty good. So we feel like there's something that God has taught us, and we want to share that with other people and say that, um, you know, you can get involved. And sometimes people don't want to serve because they just don't go to church. And so here to serve is also an opportunity to be able to reach out and get people who aren't believers, get them on board serving with some kind of community or local project. And through that, we can share God's love with them and bring them to an understanding of the gospel and lead them to the Lord and evangelize. So that is another thing. But the most important thing is that we partner with other people. So we partner with Samaritan's Purse. We partner with Operation Christmas Child. We partner with Bill Glass. We partner with um, 
international and local ministries. So we get volunteers. When somebody calls and says, I need volunteers for fill in the blank, I send an email blast and say, hey, such and such organization contacted me. They need volunteers. Can your group round up volunteers? And I can round up volunteers for people. So back to the obeying thing and the distraction thing is that when Stefan and I started here to serve, we were so excited about it, and we got our office set up, and we got everything going, and the first year was awesome. And we moved here, we moved back from Denver, and we started pastoring a church in Carthage, and we pastored that church for eight years. And when God told us, you're not doing this anymore, we want you to step down from this, we were like, well, this is what we thought we were going to be. Like, this is it. This, this is, we thought this is going to take us into retirement. <laughs> we're just going to camp out here. And it was really difficult to just lay all that down and just kind of just say, okay, God, what do you, he didn't tell us immediately what he wanted to just do. Sometimes God just tells you first, you have to lay down what you were doing. You have to lay down that thing that you think that God called you to, and maybe he did for a season, and that sometimes is very scary because God doesn't always tell you the next thing, the next step. And so... That was kind of hard for us. And then, you know, about a year went by and we felt like he told us to start this nonprofit and continue to do the things that we love so much, the projects, and be involved in the, in the international and local projects that we were involved in as um, pastors and pastor's wife. And, but that was hard because we were, at first, really, the money wasn't really that big of an issue and we had donors and different things and it wasn't a problem. And then the tornado hit. And, you know, what happens? And everybody puts their everything into that. And so, and we were putting our everything into that. Um, you know, soap we had bought for Operation Christmas Child, we're giving it to the tornado relief. You know, and so I know because we experienced that same thing of, okay, how can we think about an international project right now when we need stuff in Joplin? And so we experienced that. And we just kind of got through it and just said, you know, we'll pack as many boxes as God wants us to. And we always do an annual community packing event. And the first year we did 300, and last year we did 1342. And this year our goal is 1500, and we'll probably do more than that. But And those are just items that people in the community drop off all year round at the office. And then we have a big annual party. And so um, Stefan said after we had served with Tornado Relief and we had served down there in Joplin, he said they offered him the job. And I was like, oh, great, that's so exciting. It's like being in the mission field, except it's in your own backyard, and you just tried to work. It's so cool. This is going to be so awesome for you because, you know, when you raise six kids and your wife stays home and she does volunteer work and homeschools six children, you don't have a lot of income. And so I was like, this is great. You get to finally go to the mission field because you worked so hard so that I could stay home and so the kids could go to college, and now it's your time to shine. So excited for him until I got that first paycheck. <laughs> I didn't realize somewhere along the line I'd missed the part that we were taking like a 16 grand cut in pay from an already really low income. And so I was like, okay. And that is to say nothing about Samaritan's Purse. It's just Stefan owned his own business, and he was a self-employed painter. And so that was really harsh. And I asked, how can I continue to do the things that God's called me to do with Here to Serve when he took such a cut in pay? But you know what? God is going to provide for the things that he wants us to do. And the projects that we were doing that weren't, that was for a season, then that's fine. 
But, you know, God always tweaks and changes everything. And so in your obeying, you have to remember to, to also do that, to tweak and change. Don't be afraid to tweak and change what God's called you to. So I want to end with this verse and pray with you guys. Colossians 3, 20, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. So I just want to encourage you guys, and whatever you decide to do, whether it's coming down to Joplin, helping your neighbor rake leaves, getting involved in school projects or, or um, job, things around the workplace, just do what you do is unto the Lord because it will keep you humble and will also keep you from um, being prideful, which is, you know, the opposite of being humble. But it'll also keep you tuned in to what God is calling you to do. You're not doing it for you. You're not doing it for anybody to see what else you're doing. You're doing it for the Lord. And so, therefore, you're doing it really for an audience of one. You're showing God's love and helping other people, but you're really doing it as if you're doing it unto the Lord. So I want to encourage you guys in that, encourage you guys to, to go out there and keep your eyes open to look around, to listen, and obey what God's calling you to do, whether it's local or international, whether it's going or financially supporting, and just get plugged in because missions, really missions work is really, to me, is such an awesome way to be able to serve one another and to be able to show God's love around the world and bring people to the knowledge of Christ, which is what we're really here for. That's our great commission is to share Christ with people until he comes back, till he returns that's what he told us to do. That's what he expects for us to do. So we all need to be doing that and to be about the Father's business. So I just want to pray with you guys before we close this today. I'm sure I went over like way over. <laughs> so I appreciate you guys. Father God, I just thank you so much for the opportunity this morning to, to come and share with your people. I just pray that as they go out and they go about their week, that you would speak to them concerning what you've called them to, that they would be open to, to hear your heart concerning the things around them. Just pray that you would speak special vision and uh, special details to everyone in this room about what you're calling them to do, that they would be obedient to your calling, that they would go out and be a light to the world and share the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone around them. And just pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Thank you. Will you stand with us? for the poor a shelter from the storm this is our God he will wipe away your tears and return your wasted years this is our God to call upon his name he is mighty Save this is our God.
It's the song of the redeemed rising from the African plain. 
the song of the forgiven, drowning out the Amazon rain. The song of Asian believers filled with God's holy fire. It's every tribe, every tongue, every nation, a love song born of a grateful pride. God's children singing glory, glory. Thank you all for worshiping with us on Mission Sunday. Thank you to Stefan and Della. Uh, as they mentioned, they are going to be at tables in the back as well as the rest of our missions team. So we would like to talk with you about um, how God might be calling you to join him in his mission. So uh, please, if you have the opportunity to make your way back there, um, if you're not able to swing by the tables in the back, you can also email missions at greentreechurch.com. 
if you would like to talk with somebody about how you can uh, get involved in the missions efforts here at Green Tree. The prayer team, as always, will be right down here in the front on my right, your left. And uh, now, please receive the Lord's benediction, which I gladly offer to you in his name. May the God who is making all things new embolden us to join him in his mission. And to him be all glory, power, and honor in this age and in the age to come. Amen. Go in peace.